Welcome, everybody, to an informed live radio on 1150 AM KKNW and streaming live to CHD TV. We're so glad you're here. I'm your host, Bernadette Pager, and my co-host today is the wonderful Javier Figueroa coming to us from Idaho. <laughs> uh, I'm in yes. Tennessee, and, you know, most of our awesome uh, funders of this free speech program are in the Pacific Northwest, specifically in the state of Washington. And so, Javier, we talked a little bit about uh, last week that we were going to do a little switch up because, you know, when this start show started, it was pre-COVID yes. when this show started, there weren't a whole lot of places that were doing interviews of doctors and scientists on, especially on vaccines in particular. And, you know, so we were providing really great resource that wasn't available elsewhere. COVID changed all that. And yes. there's like this explosion. We've got CHD TV and rumble and all of these wonderful people doing interviews of great people. Um, and I, so we kind of stepped back and evaluated where are we in, in this attempt to bring information and education to the public and especially to those people in Washington State, um, part of Informed Choice Washington. And we realized that, you know, we, what's really needed now is people want action. They want yes. local action, what to do, right? Yeah. Absolutely. So, what we're going to attempt to do um, moving forward, and there might be a few bumps as, as we figure out the timing, especially you'll see in the second hour, we'll get it sorted. But we're going to try to do some, a great interview in the first hour. In the second hour, we're going to bring you as much as we can Pacific Northwest um, uh, news, local news, what's going on, events you can attend, actions you can take, you know, so that you can be empowered. We're, everybody's hungry to do that next step. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, it's so exciting that we're at this stage. I mean, we started off saying we needed a revolution and, you know, the revolution's underway and now we've got to tell the troops what to do. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Or opportunities of what to do. We never tell the people what to do. Oh, and and uh, that said... Disclaimer, um, the views expressed on this show in both hours, if I forget to say it in the next hour, um, are not necessarily those of our awesome radio station or CHD TV. Um, it's just opinion, discussion. We are not doctors and we are not uh, attorneys. Uh, we're just here to give you great discussion and fuel for thought um, and to celebrate some people. And, you know, this first hour, we're going to bring on some people and they're going to they're going to tell us about their journey. And, you know, as bad as things have been in the United States, Javier, yeah. Canada, holy cow, what the heck happened in Canada? Oh, yeah. Uh, went insane, didn't they? Yeah. <clears throat> it, uh, yes, it did. Unfortunately. <laughs> you know, the, a lot of us heard about that trucker convoy. And all the awfulness that happened there, but there, and and we've seen the video clips of, of um, I blocked out Justin Trudeau, and which are, it's hysterical watching him deny that he was a tyrant, and then you've got thank goodness everything can be recorded nowadays. You really cannot reinvent history, 
as much as they try. Um, so I was at an event uh, two weekends ago in Nashville, um, a health event with great speakers about real health solutions to health problems. And I was in, and in one of the, um, one of the presentations, this wonderful woman, her name is Keisha Richardson, raised her hand and spoke up and said, hey, if you want some help filing um, some papers and maybe some criminal charges against people who did this to you, meaning like the vaccine injured, let me know. My father and I are, are, have got some things underway that we're working on. So I Wonderful. scooted over there and said, hi, I'm Bernadette. You want to come on the radio? <laughs> And she did, and she's wonderful. And so I'm going to bring on now um, uh, Keisha and Dale uh, Richardson. Is uh, Dale is Keisha's father? And you know they sent. I've got a bit of bio, but you know what I think I would like to do is is let you tell your own story. It's so much more engaging when you tell your own story. Um, I, I'm trying to think the, the best way to lay this out. Um, and Keisha, maybe I'll have you begin because, you know, you're the one who first brought me this. Do you want to begin a little bit and kind of explain what's going on from your perspective of what happened? Um, and you can pass it to your dad at any point that you feel it's important for him to um, do that part of it. Yeah, so... Thank you, uh, Bernadette and Dr. Javier for having us on. Uh, it's such a pleasure. Uh, like Bernadette said, I, I met her at the Nashville um, Conference for the American Health and Freedom Summit. And yes, what my dad is doing is actually based on his engineering uh, research. So um, anybody who has been affected by these um, crimes really exacerbated during the COVID pandemic, um, you know, these mandates and, you know, injuries um, and all these things uh, can actually use my dad's research to file some criminal complaints. My dad was able to actually make a few packets for 33 of the states now, uh, and he's working on the others. We have some for the UK, and he's working on um, some for Australia. And so um, he can get a little bit into that more so um, to help that make a little bit more sense. But to start off, if if you want me to start from the beginning of the story of how we kind of got into this. Yes, do, um, please. Uh, so it's, it's kind of a little bit long, but anyhow, okay. So um, my we have an hour, so go for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, 50 <laughs> minutes, yeah. <laughs> please chime in and, you know, just add anything if you need to, uh, to remind me, don't feel, you know, just chime in if you need to. but. So in early 2020, my dad actually had discovered um, that there were some improper mitigation procedures surrounding the COVID pandemic or something or rather engineering stuff. He's the professional. I'm just his chief communications officer. And, you know, I was working for um, a maximum security prison and hospital facility split between two ends for people who are criminally and mentally insane. And so um my dad had you know started up a corporation and said hey Keisha you know um why don't you work for me as my chief communications officer as well um starting up we can help people in the community you know we had plans to um help the churches build some new schools help the native communities it was pretty altruistic so I was like yeah sure 
In fact, growing up, my dad always told me, Keisha, maybe learn a few languages. You might be able to work for the government one day. And so <laughs> I ended up doing that. It didn't pan out the way we thought it would. But yeah. um, so I ended up working for him as well. Um, he ended up coming across this discovery and the corporation had given me permission to disseminate this information as its chief communications officer to um, my employer, the Saskatchewan Health uh, Authority and the Saskatchewan Hospital. So the Saskatchewan Health Authority, the SHA is the governing body for the provincial prison. And so I did that and I also gave it to CUPE, the Canadian Union. And um, so uh, Keisha, it might be a good um, time right now to go over uh, to your father, to Dale, for him to explain what this is, what this um, mitigation effort is. Do you want to go ahead and talk about yes. that? Okay. Yes, yeah, sure. I can. I, I can do that. So I was called in to do some work for some dental clinics, and I was also doing some research um, over the course of my degree. Um, so what I found was the aerosol generating medical procedures guidance, it, it wasn't right, right? And so there was missing information. So I went and started to ask around. And when I was asking around for this information, I started to get the runaround. And so I was like, okay, so I started to dig deeper to find out what was going on. And what I ended up finding out was that they removed a critical piece of information. So you have a chart that tells you like um, how long between patients. So when you say go to the dentist, the mist sprays in the air, that's aerosol. They can hang out for a few days um, suspended in the air. Now it tells you, say you needed 20 minutes between patients. Well, if your airflow is really bad, it can go, you have to multiply the chart, times of the chart by up to 10 times. So you could have 200 minutes, you have no idea. And it doesn't matter what formula you use, air has a mixing efficiency and it can change how well it mixes. And so they took away this information, gave it to people, told them to use it. So you'd have no way of knowing how to use it if you weren't, if you didn't know what you were doing, gave it to people under duress. So your system would actually still turn on and work. But what would happen is, is that it wouldn't be set properly and it wouldn't work as it was intended to function. Worst case scenario, you introduce an unknown into an unknown number of systems. You can distribute disease instead of mitigating it. That's introducing a critical weakness into the infrastructure of a country, making them prone to biological attack. That's instantly treason. And, and Wow. And we're talking about HVAC systems, right? Heating and ventilation yes. and cooling systems that are designed to do that air exchange at a proper rate. Um, and did it also include humidity? I know humidity is a big part of um, mitigation of disease, proper humidity. Yeah, they didn't touch humidity, but we know that humidity kept at a certain point in time can help change that. But depending on where you live, you have to like base. It's not one size fits all because if you have too much humidity, then you get moisture and bring in things like black mold and other things that are going to create problems. Yeah. So you have to look at it unique to each situation. So, and um, when you say that information was removed and it sounds like timing information about how long to go, like you said, between patients to space, you've got evidence that this critical information in say an operator's manual, installer's manual, where, where was the information supposed to be that was removed? And then who was like looking at it 
not realizing they didn't have what they needed. Well, this was given out by health authorities, which is the first mistake. Engineering control should never be given out by health authorities. And it was used federally and provincially in many provinces in Canada, but ultimately originates from the CDC. And then it was used on multiple state levels, including in Washington. And they all had the missing information that talks about the mixing factor. That's what they called it. And it was gone. But I went back and found the original documentation from 1994 that properly represented it. But they took it out for some reason in 2003 and they gave no reason for it. But they just left it there quietly. And then they gave it to people under duress. And who are you going to call the, the plumber for 50 bucks an hour, the engineer for $200 an hour when you weren't told to do so? Is this covered in your book? Do you oh, lay yes. out? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I lay this all out. All right, because I haven't had a time to read it yet. But but here is. Let's see. Did I share it? Hold on. Let me make sure I share it. Add to stream. There we go. So you've got a book that you published and it's available at Amazon. It's called COVID-19 and Negligent Engineering Practices. Will this kill people? Um, and it's by Dale Richardson, who we're interviewing here now. And so that's good to know. I want to read this book. You know, at the very beginning of this, um, I and Informed Choice Washington, some of our leadership, we were looking, you know, before even before the shot came out in 2020, what are the safe and effective and known mitigation um, type efforts that can be done to control the spread of disease? Because of course our greatest fear is they're going to put out an experimental vaccine, of course, and that's what they did. So we were looking into all of this and including HVAC and it seemed like this is a huge opportunity. Um, and I looked a lot at the humidity, which is why I asked that. All sorts of solid science going decades back, showing how important that air exchange is and knowing how to do that. And it's like, this is this would be a great way to, to deal with it, but you couldn't get traction anywhere. And I had no idea that it doesn't surprise me. Does it surprise you? <laughs> and of course, no. in Canada, like, of course, the CDC is involved. Why wouldn't they be? If it's, somebody's mucking it up, it's going to be the CDC involved. What amazes me is that, you know, Dale, you, you, you said quite clearly that th these are basic engineering and airflow practices that are known physical, chemical factors that have been known for 20, 30 years in the industrial hygiene sector. There's, I mean, there's there's no questioning it. If you want to talk about science and engineering, that's the science and engineering. And you basically have to remind people, guys, come on. Yeah. Yeah, That the, the fundamentals don't change. And, I, um, and then we'll get back to the topic. But like the fundamental laws of physics regarding materials didn't change with COVID. A cloth mask or even an N95 cannot block a virus people we we know this right it's like the laws of physics for materials didn't change and yet somehow magically even though masks didn't work for flu they're suddenly working for covid even though that virus is smaller but okay i and digress this is a question this is a question for dale did did you at some point look at some of the recommendations for masking uh and what were your thoughts on it when when you were first told this is now policy. Uh, I, I, I laughed about that because I knew that um, the size of the aerosol droplets, for what most of what they used, they were going to go completely through it. And I actually 
in the evidence packages that I put out, I have information from industrial hygienists that that deal with this all the time, and they say the same thing that it's, you can't use that. First of all, they shouldn't call them masks; they're breathing barriers, because a mask has to have engineering holes in them, or or you have a respirator. So they're they're not allowing people to breathe; they're actually blocking the breath, and it doesn't do anything. What you're doing is you're going to just create a place where you're going to pick up more moisture on the inside of that and allow more bacteria and other things to grow as well. And so this is not what we want to be doing in any stretch of the imagination. The other thing. I I wish you had just, I mean, can we, can we get people like this at the CDC? Hello. Okay. (laughs) Oops. The worst part about this is that the, anything they can transmit the, the vaccines through aerosols. When you're looking at Marburg, that goes through aerosols. You, you're looking at Ebola, that goes through aerosols. That fungus that they had in Florida, that also goes through aerosols. Monkeypox was tested in, in BSL-4 labs for aerosol transmission. All of these things that they're telling you that are coming up are all transmitted through aerosols. This is why they suppressed aerosol transmission of SARS-CoV-2, and they knew that SARS-CoV-1 in the research was transmitted through aerosols. It, it does really seem as if they did all that they could to increase transmission, doesn't it? So I interrupted your, your flow of your story, though. So I, I do understand this information. What year did you say this critical information began to disappear from instructions? It got taken out in 2003, quietly quietly so this plan was in place for a long time to to undermine um and it took all of this and then you caught it okay so so then what happened well we reported it and Keisha can tell you what happened when she took it to her work and we took it to the police okay yeah so (laughs) as soon as i reported this i made a official OHNS complaint, which is the same as your guys' OSHA's laws here in the United States. Um, I did this also with the QP, Canadian Union, and uh, my work, the Saskatchewan Hospital. And instantly they started to threaten me with self-isolation and my job and things like that. And um, so um, my father and I, we ended up going into court uh, against these various people, which, you know, was the RCMP for their uh, lack of investigation, the Saskatchewan Health Authority, which was my provincial governing body for the provincial prison, and um, uh, rogue members of the Credit Union and Seventh-day Adventist Church in North Battleford. And so when we pulled up to the court, very first thing, uh, Queen's Bench in Battleford, um, Saskatchewan, Uh, the RCMP just rolled up behind us, snatched us right in front of, like right in front of the court, (laughs) didn't even let us go in for the hearing. Um, They ragdolled me, brutalized me, threw me on the floor, held my dad down, made him watch six or seven officers, had the sheriff from the court, the judge told him to come out and actually assist in the torture and the um, kidnap. And so he did. They took my dad to Battleford's Union Hospital where they, uh, you want to chime in, Dad? Yes, before this, I got a Freedom of Information request that demonstrated that the RCMP had come to my house the day before with a warrant for resisting arrest. On July 22nd, 
that for the arrest that took place on July 23rd. Also, the mental health facility, I have the medical records that said that they brought me in the day they came to my house on the 22nd. So this is clear-cut conspiracy. So by the time they come to pick us up the next day in front of the court, that's kidnapping to cover an offense. And then they gave away my youngest daughter, who is being taken unlawfully already by the judge who directed the RCMP the day before to keep us out of the court. This is now human trafficking using an aggravated assault and kidnapping. That's a life sentence for everybody involved. Nobody can consent to this. Wow. Yes. So what happened after that is they actually, um, they took me uh, to Battleford's Union Hospital um, and they took my dad there as well initially. They actually took my dad to a room, strapped him to a table and drugged him against his will for three weeks um, for religious and persecutory delusions is what they called it. Um, because my dad's research is based on the Bible's health message. You know, everybody has the right to free, <laughs> to, to clean air and, <laughs> you know, not just like food and homes and things like that, but clear is a, clean air is essential for life. And so um, they took me under a public health order and um, they took me to a separate part where they had people from the hospital with six or seven police, male police officers um, interrogate me from that eight or 9 a.m. in the morning till 6 or 7 p.m. at night. They said, I don't deserve to speak to a lawyer because I'm a criminal and I'm not cooperating. They said that if I don't tell them about the corporation and what business it's conducting at the court hearing or the court hearing information, that they will actually put me in prison with criminals in another province. And I said, well, Sirs, I am simply the chief communications officer. I'm not the engineer, so I don't have the legal or professional capacity to speak on that. I'm just here to conduct services as a chief communications officer. And um, they were like, well, we're just going to take you to a prison then. And whatever happens to you on the way there, we actually can't protect you. And I was like, well, that's nice. They even searched me under my clothes in front of male officers, like plenty of them. But anyways, Dad, you look like you want to chime in. Yes. And so while this is happening, while we're being tortured, they took away the house that I was living in. They gave away all the corporate property, everything that we own, the place that she was living in. They stripped us of everything. So then when we came out, had nowhere to go, the there was a divorce hearing on a first appearance and that court hearing both on first appearances for the corporation and the divorce hearing got settled on a first appearance while we were being tortured. I was stripped of all financial assets. That's financial exploitation. And they continued to financially exploit me so that they could traffic both of my daughters. This is human trafficking as the response to exposing this. So after this has gone on, and my daughter was sexually assaulted while I was strapped to a bed and drugged against my will. And I didn't know what was going on. And then when I was drugged, I sent her to the States after I came out because they were coming after us because she's an Indian. She got arrested at the border. They kidnapped her DHS when she presented her Indian card and her Canadian passport. You can't do that. That's just a whole whack of crimes. That's also trafficking. They tried to get rid of her documents and so forth. And Canada was like, no, she's an Indian. They couldn't yeah. send her back. So they had to let her out, but they let her turn to conditions where they restricted her, kept her away from the board 
a Bureau of Indian Affairs so that she would be under their care and control and created conditions where she was sexually assaulted repeatedly and law enforcement wouldn't help her. The reason was they wanted to get the research, keep it away from law enforcement. So October 1st of 2020, Department of Homeland Security had the evidence that treason was occurring in the United States. And this was the means by which they changed the elections and the mail-in ballots and all that, all tied to this and this treason unequivocally. January 6th wouldn't happen. The vaccines wouldn't have happened because they would have to argue why they could commit treason to shut your businesses down and force a vaccine on you. It's racketeering activity, and she can tell you what happened to her in the States. I mean... Yeah, and it's it's so tragic because my dad's evidence had had election interference as well, and um, they they actually ended up taking me to my actual job, by the way, in Canada, and torturing me at the facility I worked at, emptied an entire wing of the hospital, the prison, and held me there for eight days. But nevertheless, yeah, and they stole my car, so I had no way to get myself anywhere. <laughs> but anyways, I I went to the United States, like my dad said, and I went to the border on October 1st of 2020 to Montana Sweetgrass Port of Entry, which is my ancestral homeland as an, an American Indian. And uh, Jonathan Gruwak, the border agent, was like, well, if you don't go back to Canada, I'm going to arrest you and put you in jail with pr- criminals. And I said, well, you know, I just told you what happened with my dad's research. I gave you thousands of pages of evidence with audio and video. And um, he was like, all right, well, you're detained, arrested me, and then uh, handed me over, well, kidnapped me and handed me over to immigration. And um, they trafficked me from the border to Pahrump, Nevada, where I spent seven months in an immigration facility with U.S. Marshals and uh, maximum security immigration detainees. Uh, So I was released on, paroled on March 31st, 2021. Um, But like my dad said, I was continually put into a circumstance where... um, I had to be under the supervision of an American citizen or else I would be re-detained and held in an indefinite confinement uh, because Canada refuses to take uh, deportation from American Indians, just like America will not take a deportation from American Indian in Canada. You you have to forcefully walk yourself. Well, you have to voluntarily walk yourself across the border. And I wasn't going to voluntarily kill myself. (laughs) So... um, I ended up in a C-18 category visa. It was what they put me under, which um, is for the worst criminals of the country that need to self-deport and just work and make enough money until they're able to uh, deport themselves. And um, I have no crimes or convictions in any country in the world. uh, And I worked for the government back in Canada, of course. And so, um, Dad, go ahead. I just want to say, by this time, there's a lot of court cases going on in Canada and the United States, filed in the, the District Court of Nevada uh, that she's an Indian being held by DHS. That gets buried. The Ninth Circuit, it gets buried. It goes to the Supreme Court. They didn't even put her document on the public record because people would be like, why are you holding an Indian in Department of Homeland Security? You, you can't do that. And then, so in Canada, I was filing documents like crazy as well in the Federal Court of Canada and everything else like that. People would, I threw in 5,000 pages of evidence engineering reports showing all the crimes and so forth at the time, a summary of it. Nobody showed up and they won. Every time I would have, you know, me and just the judge and the judge would make arguments for the other people and, and shut my cases down. 
Well, usually if the other side doesn't show up, you win, right? Yeah. Not, it's not, I, I'm like so stunned. I'm so sorry that you guys went through this and I'm so stinking proud of you for standing up and not letting this experience silence you and for bringing this out because this is the future. This is how they want to control everybody and silence everybody with this intimidation. They didn't know who they were messing with, with the pair of you. Good for you. Um, and prayers for um, your, your younger daughter, your little sister, who you still have not seen, right, in, in all this time? Yes, and, and the Supreme Court of Canada just denied three leaves to appeals and no it, no evidence was put in from the other party. They didn't respond and it demonstrated that there was human trafficking, child trafficking, that the Attorney General of Canada was involved in trafficking, came into the Alberta court to defend in a family matter, to defend the RCMP's torture and used a, a child to defend their torture that the Attorney General of Saskatchewan is also involved in that, involved in mortgage fraud and involved in the human trafficking. The Executive Council of Saskatchewan is also involved. The Attorney General of Alberta is involved. Uh, Tyler Shandro, um, Associate Chief Justice Rook from the Court of King's Bench for Saskatchewan. You have like um, the Federal Court of Canada, the Chief Justice of the Federal Court of Canada. Um, you have the uh, Chief Justice of the the uh, Federal Court of Appeals in Canada. You have Supreme Court justices that are now involved. Um, you have the uh, uh, Brenda Lucky, who was the former commissioner of the RCMP. She was also involved. And I had a writ of mandamus and prohibition in Saskatchewan, the Court of Appeals. That was to shut down the mandates and to compel the RCMP to issue the warrants for arrest for all the people that were involved. And now the Supreme Court tried to act like it was a family court matter and just swept it away under the rug and lied about it when they would have had to issue arrest warrants on both sides of the border because there was cooperation between Canada and the United States that were committing treason on both sides of the border and they were trafficking my children to suppress the evidence. Did anybody at any stage of this it even quietly say to you, no, wait a minute, you guys had found out something about cleaning air and HVAC systems. What's going on here? I mean, did what did you hear from anybody in the system who like, you know, was concerned of what they were being forced to partake in or anything? Was there any awareness of from the people that you were dealing with that something really nefarious was happening? I, I mean, I'm, until like about a year ago that I ran into um, an RCMP officer that started to take evidence. Um, no, but there's a lot of political pressure to keep this uh, going because really what COVID is, it's one massive operation in human trafficking mm -hmm. because it is making people wage slaves. If you were forced to take a job, that's involuntary servitude. If you lost your job or your business, that's peonage and financial exploitation. And people are profiting off of this. Even the children that are getting groomed, it's not grooming. It's facilitation for sexual and financial exploitation. This is all human trafficking and slavery. And people are profiting off of it. When you see all of that, 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 that money that's disappearing, your tax dollars, that's racketeering activity. They got, people are getting paid from COVID. That's all racketeering money. And that wow. needs to get stopped. 
and they know it. And they didn't want this to get exposed because at the end of the day, they're after our children. Wow. Okay, so um, how much time do we have? Oh, I wish we had more time. So I got about 20 minutes to go here. Um, I'd like to know the status of where you, you both are legally and also the, then I'm going to really focus on this great work you're doing um, to help reveal some of this stuff and to help protect people who are being abused by all that's going on. And Keisha? Uh, well, I'm still in the United States. <laughs> like I said, I'm not going to, you know, Epstein myself <laughs> by going okay. across the border. <laughs> so... Um, I, I'm still here in the United States. I actually was after I, you know, I was actually homeless when I was in Nashville um, and went to the conference. I had the ability to go there because there was a pastor that we had met through a nice Catholic lady we are working with in the Freedom Fighter movement in Canada who gave me some money to go to this, uh, uh, get a motel to go to the event because I purchased the tickets weeks ago. And, you know, mm -hmm. it was very much important to get that research out there because like my dad said this is very much human trafficking and it's still happening so but um right now i i through that event was able to meet actually dr will spencer and right now i he's helping me out and um teaching me a lot of stuff he's a naturopath and you know he's helping me with my health as well because i've had some pretty bad <laughs> situations the past couple of years but um, I'm still in the same place legally. Um, DHS mm -hmm. is still hunting me down and trying to um, keep me in this uh, C-18 category visa system. Um, Congress opened a file for me actually under HR 4228 Border Tribal Priority Crossing Act, which is you know for American Indians who have problems at the border because of what happened to me when I brought my dad's research. But um, that's being sat on. Uh, the FBI put me in their victim services in Mount Pleasant on Bell Street, but that's being sat on. They actually said I was in a human trafficking shelter a couple weeks ago, and they said they closed the case. So, you know, um, there's not really much being done about my situation. And then, like my dad said, the Supreme Court in Canada just sanctioned all of this. So, you know, but I'm alive. <laughs> I'm alive. And, you know, well. Uh, Dad, go ahead, I guess. Yeah, for me, it's like still working on the legal stuff. Like I filed two high treason and human trafficking complaints, and I named myself as a victim as well because they're financially exploiting me because people are being able to steal from me and defraud me of everything with the protection of the courts and the law enforcement. Um, and so um, I went ahead and filed that, and I started to help people to file other complaints as well because what we filed, we probably got about 30 complaints between Canada and the United States. We had a sheriff in Volusia County, Florida, that refuses to give the evidence of a sexual assault to Canada so that they can investigate. And that's highest priority. Sexual assault and human trafficking, those are highest priority cases to deal with. And they're refusing to do so because they have to put it through Interpol. When it puts it through Interpol, then they have problems. So they're allowing these things to happen so that they can suppress this evidence from going forward so that they can kill people. This is absolutely mm. insane. But at the end of the day, like, I mean, I'm not going to give up because I, I don't like it when people do filthy children and to people to harm innocent people. My Bible says that I got to love my brothers myself and I can't let this happen. So I'm going to continue to fight as long as I have anything left. 
And do you, sorry to ask this, uh, my knowledge of Canadian politics is, is limited, but Premier Scott Moe for Saskatchewan, is he part of uh, Trudeau's uh, government? Or associated with Trudeau's government? No, he's not. But he's still in, he's still involved because he has direct knowledge of the human trafficking, and he his executive council has sanctioned and participated in this. Got it. Covered up evidence. Yes. So the entire the entire structure of the Saskatchewan government is fully aware of what's going on. Well, I'd say a very large portion of them. Okay. Thank you. Wow, I'm so sorry. And so I'm, I'm sharing here with viewers and for our radio audience, it's the Karis Project, and that website is DSR, and then Karis, which is spelled K-A-R-I-S, consulting.com. So DSR, Karis, consulting.com. And this, is Karis the name of your daughter, um, Dale? Yeah, yes, it's the Greek word for grace. Okay, so, so the young daughter that has been kidnapped. Yes, and Keisha decided to call it the Karis Project because uh, she wanted to fight for her sister and other children who had been stolen as well and trafficked. Okay, okay so tell us, so you were, um, you were talking about how you're now helping other people and it's through this project here that you're doing that. If people want more information, this is where they would go? Yes, um, I have, uh, we do a couple of things. My daughter, she can talk about the podcast aspect. But what I'm doing here with this is that I've created um, packages based on the evidence. And I used evidence from Dr. William Marcus, who covered the excess deaths in Canada. Um, we had Dr. Alexander, some of his work there. And we had some industrial hygienists and uh, in Canada and the United States that talked about their areas with the masking and so forth. And we showed that at other stages, every stage that they were committing crimes. And now people can take this evidence. And then there's another report called the Engineering of Bioterrorism, Child Trafficking, Treason, and the Crime of Aggression Update 2 that is placed inside of this evidence package that's owned, protected by United States copyright. Um, and they take this package, and it's got a letter from the corporation that owns the copyright that they can go and file criminal complaints based on the evidence. It's got an instruction package. People just go and make their statement. We want to collect all the file numbers. And then if the law enforcement doesn't do their job, we can give instructions on how they can start asserting their rights. And when I was, I went to the United States and I was tortured um, to prevent me from preventing the evidence. They tried to compel me to destroy my passport so that I and threatened me with federal prison and all this stuff. So this is also trafficking as well. But I was able to get to the Supreme Court of the United States in 28 days while I was being tortured in an immigration detention facility using the Crime Victims' Rights Act, which everybody can use because they're victims of crime. And so people can quickly, if their police don't do their jobs, they can quickly go to the federal district court, go to then... If the district court doesn't do anything because the law gives them five days to make a decision, if you're trying to get protection for being a crime victim to deal with it, if they don't deal with that and they don't do it properly, then you go to the, the circuit court. And because of the national interest of treason, crimes against humanity, and human trafficking on a massive scale, you can go to the Supreme Court under Rule 20 at the same time. And so that you want them to overlook what the circuit court is doing because 
100% of the time when we went there, there was crime done. But when people see this and the public knows, then they can't do that anymore. Wow. Okay. This is really complex for me, and I'm going to have to explore this more. Um, Javier, are you kind of following how this is all working? Where did Javier go? Partially, uh, but I, uh, the interlocking uh, the interlocking components of uh, circuit courts, the Supreme Court. Uh, there's, you know, I've, I've heard it so many times that we already have all the laws in place to effectively um, push back. This is mostly uh, making people aware and people having the courage to actually engage their own legal system to do it. And again, it's complex. You know, you've got you've got so many different courts. You want to make sure that you actually take the steps of going to the police first. If they don't provide you with uh, with your uh, rights to, um, uh, or at least enforcing the laws that are in place, then again, you have to take the next step. So it's it's sequential, but you have to do it and be willing to do it. And if you have a community, that's probably the most effective way to do it is to engage with the community so that they can help you because strength in numbers is what's really going to get the attention of people. And the other thing we have to consider is also here in the United States, the, the role of sheriff is critical. If the police won't do it, go talk to your sheriff and say, the police department did not take this seriously. You are, you are the law or the authority in this county. And therefore I'm placing the burden on you to enforce this law. And if you won't, then you're complicit in it as well. And again, that's those are the steps you have to take. Unfortunately, it's there's no shortcuts in order to have a, pro, a proper legal process. And I think that's that's correct from, from what I understand currently. Well, oh yes, the first step is going to the police, and you get you get a file number because you have a right to make the complaint. And and in this instance, you just print off the package, then you if, write your statement make your statement. If you have any additional evidence that you want to bring and put with it, then go right ahead and get that. And we're going to keep all the file numbers together in one place so that when people, if they have to start going to court, they can show all the different file numbers of where these complaints are made. And so that people can see that people are exercising their rights. They can't, they might be able to silence one person, but if you got a thousand, 10,000, a hundred thousand, they can't ignore everybody. It's impossible. Okay, and so um, Dale and Keisha, in your cases, you you have your own specific um, crimes that were committed against you, and when you're putting this forward, you're talking about a nurse who witnessed a crime, or it was was um, illegally fired, or something. You're talking about really anything that's been going on within this whole COVID nonsense chaos that they've observed or that have been done unto them, bringing those to the police? Is that what you're talking about? And can you give an, a, like an example of somebody that you've helped with, you know, who've taken this, um, the, the paperwork that you've created and like what their particular uh, criminal complaint was? Yes. So anybody who's been harmed in any way from COVID, whether you lost your job, whether you were intimidated, whether you were forced to take the vaccine, whether you were injured, if you were a doctor that's getting intimidated by your medical board, if you're a lawyer getting intimidated by the bar, if you're, you know, it doesn't matter what you're doing. If anybody's doing something wrong to you as a result of this, you have a right to complain. If your kids are having developmental 
delays because of the masking and then the school going all as a dumpster fire because of what they did for COVID, you can complain. Everybody has a right to complain. If you saw something, that's great. Bring information. Come together in groups. We had a girl that filed in Canada. She posted this, um, the video of it. She filed criminal negligence complaints to start because uh, her boyfriend's son died from the vaccination. But because they were, they it is criminal negligence. What just of itself? So they, anybody can complain about that and whatever they had personally, or it was a family member. And I would suggest people grow it in groups, make it public, so that people know what's going on. Because we don't want them isolating people because this is what they normally do. But go in groups, and there are strength in numbers. Yeah. And if you don't want to do the complaint, the the instructions allow the corporation to make the complaint. And you could be attached as witnesses, whatever works for you, so that it wants to protect people. And we just want the names of the people who harmed you. We don't want the people who treated you. We want to protect the people doing good. And we want to expose the people that are doing wrong. Awesome. I love that. And Dale, where is your, you said you got to the Supreme Court in 28 days. You might have said the outcome of that and I missed it. What? What's the outcome? Uh, or are you still sitting there? This they have uh, the first Supreme Court document. They just dismissed it and didn't do anything. I had a Supreme Court document that came from the Tenth Circuit um, that I ha it's been sitting there. They haven't done any. They haven't even posted it. They took the filing fee. It's been there for a year and a half. They didn't post it because I lay out the treason in the documents and show the evidence. And there was like probably a three thousand page appendix that went with it to go there that outlines all of the different things showing that they were using the courts and that the attorney general in Canada and the United States are both complicit and it has direct ties to even, even the Bidens. So. Wow. And, um, Javier, you know, politics a bit better than I do as far as how things work now that Congress, you know, has flipped over to the Republicans who are investigating Everything COVID-related, what was done, I'm wondering if there's going to be any sort of help in that direction for the getting... Only, <clears throat> the only help that's going to come is going to be from people pushing their representatives and their senators to do the right thing. One of the things you have to remember about politicians is that they only work when they feel pain. And they only <laughs> respond when they feel pain. It's unfortunate. There are some good people there that understand that they were elected to represent and be there as a, a legislative, legislative representative of a district. Mm -hmm. But in DC, um, uh, I don't know if uh, people are familiar with uh, Dr. Dave Janda, who has uh, his own uh, YouTube channel. He used to work on medical freedom issues in the 80s and 90s. As a matter of fact, he, he's, a, he's a surgeon by training. But uh, he basically, when he, he, he went to work for DC to see how he could improve the healthcare system in the United States, and he was told in no uncertain terms, 98% of every single politician in Washington, D.C. is compromised in one way or another. So the only way you're going to get something to happen is at the grassroots level. And you're going to have to start revealing crimes at all levels in order to get anything done. I think what's happened in, here in the United States, uh, the, the amount of absolute abject failure of both the Democrat and Republican Party uh, became so apparent that there was a revolt at the grassroots level where now you actually have a switch where instead of 98%, you probably have 92%. That <laughs> that's, 
but the beginning. It's, but it's a beginning, and now that's actually getting things moved along. But it's unfortunately very slow because, again, the bureaucracy can come up the works, and you have to take direct action at 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 the grassroots level. Period. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for that, and. You know, I do feel like we're moving in the right direction, and thanks to individuals like Keisha and um, and Dale Richardson, who are providing some tools. I mean, it's taken us a while, those of us who thought we lived in republics and democracies and whatever, to figure out the system because we've all been complacent, just thinking the system works for the most part, and because we weren't actively paying attention. Um, all of this happened. but And so it's taken us a few years, but we're figuring it out. And I'm really proud of, you know, of the people who are rising up, taking leadership. Um, uh, Keisha, there is an upcoming event. Um, it's in Canada. Is it in Canada? It's a Mother's Day event. Do you want to explain something about that? I'm not sure if I have a link to where they can get information, if you could provide that. Yes. Um, so I think I sent it to you by email, the link um, to the, okay. I'll look to the website. Here. If I just look at it quickly here, it is uh, www.momsresist.ca. And this is a women's march movement that uh, a few of the freedom fighters in Canada, America, UK, uh, Portugal, uh, all over Europe, and some in Australia have come together to um, bring back uh, unity in uh, our communities, our homes, our families, uh, and for to bring back the importance of mothers. And women are largely the ones speaking up and standing up for what's going on right now. And so women are coming and saying, never again is now. And we are here to show that we are fighting for our families and for our children. And we're not going to comply with the tyranny that's going on. We're going to stand for freedom and we're going to stand for what's right. And we're going to make a difference, and if it has to start with us, then uh, unfortunately, it will uh, it will be with us. And of, of course, we need men to stand up. But there will be marches in several of the states in um, America, as well as a few of the provinces in Canada, uh, one in Portugal, and in UK. So there will be more of that information on the website as well. Oh, that's wonderful. And I did find that. Thank you for that website. So it was, again, www.momsresist.ca. It looks wonderful. Calling all mothers. You know, really, you are so spot on that motherhood has just been, they're trying to like almost dishonor motherhood. And we need to, we need to bring that back, re-empower mothers. Um, this, this looks wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing this. Uh, we'll check it out. Again, it's this Sunday. You said there's events happening, which is Mother's Day, all you know, in Canada, in places in the U.S. and abroad. Um, yeah, that's that's wonderful. Let's see how we doing on time. We got about three minutes. I'm going to put my chat up there. Yeah, three minutes remaining. So I guess final words. Um, uh, Dale first, final words. Yeah, sure. Um, like I said, we're, we're trying to raise money here so that we can teach people how to defend themselves um, because people are getting like robbed left, right, and center. I know what it's like to lose everything. I'm not here to do that. I'm trying to teach people because I'm one man. I want to be able to teach people to do this for themselves so that they can go and teach other people so that they can get the help they need. I'm tired of seeing people who are hurt 
and they have no way of being able to get help. And mm -hmm. they're getting, you know, we deal with a lot of vaccine injured people and, and people who have been, you know, given the short end of the stick and it, it, it's painful to see. I want people to get help. We all need freedom. I just want people to be free. I want help to do that and to teach others to do that themselves. That's really basically it. When we get freedom, I can go back and live a normal life and earn money and so forth. That's really it. But now I want people to have freedom. That's and, and do they go to the Karis Project for that? Is that a place to donate there? Or yes. where do they go? Okay. They have uh, something on the Karis Project that has a donor box and a give, send, go. So you can use either whatever works. Okay. There's a Canadian and a U.S. corporation. And we're collecting information for vaccine injured for the criminal complaints so that when the justice does come, that it's all ready. Fantastic. Thank you so much for that. And Keisha, your final words. Um, well, yes, please go check out the Karis Project. Uh, we're on Twitter and Rumble and Vichute and all those different places. If you have suffered from any of these crimes exacerbated during the COVID-19 pandemic, please reach out to us. We'd love to have you on and share your story as well as help you get justice for what's going on. And I always say at the end of all of my podcasts and all of my Twitter spaces for my little sister, because the podcast really was created for her to let her know that we do love her. We're fighting for you, Karis, and we are going to see you again. So to my dearest Karis, until we meet again, my friend, and we will. Oh, that is so lovely. I got the chills. My love and prayers to Karis too. You got you got a whole nation, couple of nations now uh, rooting for you, rooting for your family to be reunited. And uh, so have, uh, thank you so much for joining us on Informed Life Radio. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to give you some Pacific Northwest specific news. So stay tuned. Um, this is 1150 AM KKNW. We'll be right back. If you're looking for a publication that delivers honest takes and critical insights into the issues of our day, then look no further than The Flame Paper. The Flame Paper is written for the people, by the people, who aren't afraid to challenge a mainstream narrative, be it health care, voter fraud, political correctness, or even the one world government. The Flame is full of timely articles, reports, and expert advice written by freedom-loving, truth-telling experts, journalists, and concerned citizens. To subscribe, go to The Flame USA. Com. During this unprecedented response to an infection outbreak, it has been made very clear that shutting down lives and businesses is not sustainable or repeatable. We've also learned that it's unnecessary. Treatments exist and always exist. For 99% of the population, nutrients and oxidative therapies that support the immune system and improve symptoms are always available to address viral infections. For the less than 1% who need more, inexpensive, unpatentable drugs can be added to the nutrient therapies to improve outcomes. It's time each and every one of us empower ourselves with this knowledge. We need not ever bring our lives to a halt again. We can both save lives and retain the liberty that nourishes us body and soul. Learn more at healthyimmunitynow.org that's healthyimmunitynow.org. 
Informed Choice Washington is a nonprofit organization that advocates for healthy immunity, medical freedom, and fully informed medical consent. The right to make medical choices without coercion is fundamental to our civil liberties and a basic principle in all human rights declarations. To learn more, tune in each Friday from 3 to 5 p.m. to an Informed Life Radio and visit the website informedchoicewa.org. It's time to take a stand for medical freedom. Go to informedchoicewa.org today. We need a revolution. There's only one Hello and welcome back to an Inform Life Radio on 1150 AM KKNW and CHD TV. Glad you could be with us. I'm Bernadette Pager and with me today is Dr. Javier Figueroa here for the second hour of the show. Um, those, Dale and Keisha Richardson, their story is mind blowing. Yes. Um, three years ago, I'm not sure I, I would have believed such a thing could happen, but I've heard. <laughs> Sadly, too many other mind-blowing stories that we know it's true that this it's just crazy, you know. Yes. There there's a certain situation going on that, you know, I, I'm not at liberty to discuss, but uh an individual right here in my own new state that even prior to COVID experienced through the court system such injustice and violation of rights and laws that it's, it's sickening. Yes. It's really sickening. Um, And I I do, as I've said before, Javier, I feel like, um, you know, COVID really has, it's like, it's like turning on the light so you can see the cockroaches, right? Exactly. A lot of bad stuff's been going on leading to all of this that has allowed this to happen. And, um, but people are standing up and figuring it out and doing great things. I'm going to really add those two to our prayers. And absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And let's not forget to, to go to the Karis project and uh, consider donating. Yes. For the good yeah. work that they're doing. Exactly. And that's K A R I S Karis project named after the little girl who the, the young daughter who was taken by authorities away. Um, that's government kidnapping. Um, but this this next hour uh, in our new format that we're still trying to we'll we'll be figuring it out and so we're going to try to be newsy for our wonderful listeners and with a huge thanks here to the people of Washington State who are the primary supporters of an informed life radio they give to informed choice Washington we're going to attempt to have an hour dedicated each week um, to Washingtonians and people in the Pacific Northwest yes to focus on some news. So um, I've got some great events to tell you about, and also we'll talk about some news. And also joining us, um, and she'll be here soon, is Erin Krantz in Spokane. She's gonna be giving us an update on that great event in Spokane that's coming up. Um, But in the meantime, Javier, how about we start off with the really good news from state, for state employees, and that's the fact that Gee, Inslee decided to rescind his directive, 
that led to an illegal Office of Financial mandate that required all state workers to get the COVID shot. Um, and so now I'm like, I'm going to pull up. Here we go. The, uh, it has now been rescinded. So if our listeners recall, um, where did it go? Hold on. I'll pull it up. There we go. Um, I don't know. How long ago has it been, Javier? I'm not good at remembering the dates, but. It's been, it's been a good three years, but I, I have to read it carefully because I don't know if this lifts the emergency powers that the governor no. has. Yeah. So what this is in particular, Javier, this isn't to do with his emergency powers. This was a directive within the past year um, that Inslee said all state employees must get at least the first two shots. And right. then they were going to, if they, if they got boosters, they would get a thousand dollar incentive to get a booster. That's right. And then, so the uh, employees who were in unions, the unions had to do the bargaining to allow this to happen. And if you're non-employee, then they just wrote the rules. They wrote the rules based on the directive, which is illegal. A right. directive cannot create a rule, but they cited two pieces of law to laws that hadn't that did not give them the authority it was completely illegal we tried to fight it we wrote some letters with some great attorneys that helped us out um pacific justice um uh pgi was one and um oh help me out here the silent majority, silent majority uh, yeah. foundation pete um and there was one more uh joy forgive me i'm so I should have written down the names, but anyway, we all kind of jumped in there and tried, you know, pointed out the logic in the law did no good. They put these mandates in place and now he's rescinded it. Right. So all of that work, I'm not quite sure what they're going to do now. They're going to have to file some rulemaking to repeal this. Well, and it's interesting as to what precipitated the governor to rescind the directive what's going on in the background that is you know is this is this part of a strategy or is this part of a, a a legal strategy that they're realizing we need to do this before we get into bigger trouble or yeah. is it part of an overall strategy a, a marketing campaign to get people to stop thinking about covid and not focus on it anymore yeah well the the claim is the the emergency has ended but why did you do permanent rulemaking when you knew the emergency was going to end emergencies always always end. It's the of emergency we're not going to live in an emergency for the next hundred years Jay. exactly <laughs> so what so what a stupid excuse no there as you said there has to be something behind the scenes saying that we're backing away and you know javier somebody pointed something out really interesting the other day that i hadn't thought of and that's when the FDA stopped recommending the first two shots and said, if you've never had any shot at all, your first shot's going to be the bivalent booster, which is still an EUA product. And there's, okay. there's no clinical trial evidence for it. Right. But what happened was the licensed Pfizer and the licensed Moderna vaccines will never see the light of day. They're no longer being distributed. Right. I mean, they're not being recommended. So they never were. So all no. of that licensing mumbo jumbo license 
sleight of hand that was used in order to try to compel businesses and the military. Oh, we have a licensed product now. No, you know, the you can you can mandate it because it's licensed. Correct. All of that. You know, that's why they did it. But now the vaccines are gone and they never will be. Correct. And again, it just further, further enhances the um, the the idea and also the uh, it's not a theory anymore. I think this is now fact that these are all bioweapons that yeah. were deployed globally in the United States, because how the hell can FDA actually approve a bivalent shot, not against SARS-CoV and against influenza when mm -hmm. there was no clinical trial data on whether or not a bivalent or even the flu shot, which was, again, the first time an mRNA injection was used against a flu. Mm. And there was no clinical data on it when yeah. light on eight mice. Again, that tells me that FDA was basically used as a window dressing to basically create a marketing moment to convince people that, oh, it's it's all it's all legal. It's all good, yeah. which it isn't. It isn't. It isn't. And I'm so glad all of this is being revealed. Um, I see now that we've got the wonderful Erin Krantz backstage. So I think I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to bring her on in. Erin, are you ready for us? Can you hear I am. I am ready. Hi. Thank Hi. you. It's been too long, my dear. It's wonderful to see you. It is. I was excited to see you and talk to you today. Yeah. So thank um, you. Javier, you're welcome. Javier, have you ever met Erin Krantz? I don't know that you've ever met her. This is and my I, first time. Yeah. I think so, yes. Yeah. Well, introduce you guys. Here, here, here <laughs> you both you. are, Hi. two wonderful people. So Erin has been with Informed Choice Washington for years, and she's one of the stalwart, stand up, get her done, do events in Spokane. I mean, she's a force unto herself. I mean, Erin, how many people come to your meetings? Um, well, I have over 200 people in my group, but I have anywhere from 60 to 120 people that show up at each meeting. Isn't nice. that amazing? Yes. I mean, they get her done. I mean, there's something yes. about Eastern Washington, too. I mean, you guys got your boots mm -hmm. on. Oh, we yeah. do. We have a lot of good people out here. I've networked with a lot of great people and there's a lot of um, different uh, groups that are forming even as we speak. And, you know, there's one for you. So find one. <laughs> yeah, that's true. There is one for you. And, you know, we recently met up with some individuals um, that are and we'll be highlighting them on the show when they get a little further along. What they're trying to do is pull together all of these great um, groups that have to do with various aspects of freedom. Yes, the Eastern Washington Freedom Alliance. I've been working yes. along with them and it's yeah. something that I've been wanting to do. But as you know, Bernadette, we only have so much bandwidth, right? Yeah. So right. I'm glad that somebody else is taking it on here locally and they are um, bringing all the groups together so that at least we can be under at least, you know, we're never going to be under one roof because there is a lot of us, which is encouraging. Yeah. But um, if, at least if we can get the leaders of these groups so when actions, you know, happen, we can get everybody into play and yeah. And also just keeping everybody in the loop of what's happening locally. And um, for me, building community is, is my passion. So bringing yes. people together, I feel strength in numbers. You know, I have created a whole community around myself that I actually kind of forgot COVID was happening when COVID was happening because I just yeah. have such a strength around me. And I want to bring that to others. 
that that you know i felt the same i was in this bubble you know i i never yeah. wore a mask i never yeah. got a test i didn't do any of the nonsense so it's almost like we were watching a movie play around us because mm -hmm. we didn't participate um yes. even though we were very much involved it's kind of an odd odd feeling and this um this alliance is started in eastern washington even though it's not completely like even launched but they're already it's going to be bigger than that it's going to be right. beyond eastern um, yes. and because yeah and they were speaking with us so anyway so pretty soon there will be this great resource for the pacific northwest there's know. already a website up and going so if you want to check it oh. out we've already got a lot of resources on there our event is already on there and oh. um yeah they're they're moving oh fantastic well we'll maybe we'll feature those that next week that's fantastic. and then just uh yeah? just aaron so nathan dask if you could actually turn the camera to landscape format oh there yes. we go that way that it didn't flip. Is it? <laughs> For those yeah, of you on the radio, was, we're like, sorry. Oh, no, no, no worries. Okay. okay, that's that's the way it goes. If so it, put it back. Put it back the regular back. way. Yeah, I know. I usually do put it in landscape, but it wasn't working for me today, so <laughs> I okay. was dealing with it this way. You look gorgeous, darling. <laughs> um, so you are here, you jump, just jumping in in order to tell us a, a, more about the Spokane event. We, we gave listeners a little bit of a heads up, but I want you to tell us more about the Spokane event. I'm going to go get the, the page for that. Right Perfect. Now. Yes. Um, so it's called COVID Betrayal, A Path Forward. It's going to be here on May 20th at Calvary Church. It's 511 West Hastings. And um, basically the, the purpose of this meet, this conference is exactly what you guys were speaking to before, is that we can't forget what just happened to us. We can't forget, you know, the, the mandating that happened, you know, the closing down of schools, the, um, the shaming, the bullying, the um, mask wearing, the mandating of shots. I mean, a lot of people feel that since this has kind of gone to the side, that this has ended. But we all know, if you're in the know, that this has not ended. And, and you know, Biden has asked for $2 billion more billion for the next pandemic, and um, we need to be prepared for that. So, again, that's educating people and allowing them to have a voice in, in um, what we've just experienced from, you know, people in the community that were actually dealing with it. So we have about seven doctors that are coming and we also have two attorney groups. One's a national attorney group. It's called the Humanity Betrayal um, uh, Pro Memory Project. And they have yeah. over 700 cases of malpractice and hospital treatment over COVID. And then we have a state group, which you guys mentioned earlier, Pete Serrano from a silent majority who's been standing up for here locally, Natalie Polson, who withstood the mask mandate with a school. We, he, he stood up for um, Scott Miller, P PA, who's also going to be coming to our um, event. He was um, persecuted and shut down over um, prescribing what he saw fit as a, um, a practitioner to his patients, which we all know ivermectin and hydrochloroquine. Um, he's also um, stood up for, um, who, who else here? Um, uh, Ryan Cole. So Dr. Ryan Cole, we also have being zoomed in, which we if we all know he has one of the only independent pathology labs here in the, in the country. And so he's going to share with us what he's been finding in his lab. Um, but the purpose of this meeting is not also just to educate, but it's also to bring people together. And um, we know we've all been to rallies, we've all been to 
you know, um, protest and things, but what, what after you leave? And if you're like Bernadette and, and Eugene and I, we, we network in, but most people just go home and they, they don't know what, what to do next. And so we're going to be hopefully creating a landing, a landing space for these people to come. And whether you're passionate about medical freedom or the second amendment, or, um, you know, we've got turning point USA and JBS and moms of Liberty and a lot of groups here that are forming here that we can um, direct people to go and join. So it's it's about networking in so that we can have strength in numbers when this next lockdown comes in. That is so fantastic. This is wonderful. And I know that the people are registering. I mean, I because they come through one of the emails that I get because we're it's being hosted through Informed Choice Washington. Yes, so thank you. you. Can, yeah. Oh, you're welcome. Glad to um, partner with you guys. So in, informedchoicewa.org and then look at the events or Hold, um, is that on the? I think it's on the events tab, but I've got a direct link down a slide. I'm going to be sharing in a just minute a, there. Go just ahead. a little side note: if you have a problem buying a ticket and it only allows you to purchase one, just go back through and try and purchase another one. I've I've had two people reach out to me that they were only able to purchase one ticket at a time. Oh, so dear. if that's okay. your issue, then just go back in and just purchase another one. Okay. We also will have availability to purchase at the door, but we'd like for it to go through. Um, through the, the website if, if possible. Yeah. Okay, yeah. great. And the cost is really low. Remind me of the cost. $10. I mean, yeah. all this education for $10, it's going to be a four hour event and we have every minute counted for. So you want to be there. Yeah. And it's, so it's just enough to try to cover the cost of, of getting the venue. Yes, right? exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and the videographer, because we want to, you know, market this, we want to have, you know, be able to share this with people that weren't be able to attend. So we're, we're spending money on the videographer and the brochures and, and things like that. So yeah, it's not a money making thing. This is all about passion. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So Saturday, May 20th, it's coming up 1 to 5pm. Uh, Calvary Spokane. Um, and, and so go to informedchoicewa.org and that's where you're going to find the link to where you can go register. So I encourage people to do that. I think it's going to be another fantastic event. There was a, a listening event in um, Wenatchee, Wenatchee and, now, yes. and now we've got the one in, in Spokane. So I just love the way the community's pulling together. And Aaron, it's just, it's such a pleasure uh, to have you Thank on you. the show. I don't know why you haven't been on before, but <sighs> you're, you know, you seem like a natural on the radio. So I think I might be pulling you in for more updates more often here. <laughs> Thank you. Sure, sure. You know, I, I I do do a lot of things and it is starting to become a little bit easier. So <laughs> yeah, the, the more you do it, the more and, you do it. Yeah. And, you know, we're, we are trying to have one hour of the show dedicated to more regional things. And so, you know, if you have news to bring us in from Eastern Washington that you want to report on, just let us know. We can slip you in for like a 10 minute thing or, or longer sure. if, if it you know, needs it. And uh, yeah, this is really Great. exciting. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Thank Aaron. You. You're welcome. And take care. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Bernadette. Have a good day. Bye -bye. So that is so awesome. And at the end of the um, hour here, uh, I've got a slide with several other events that are upcoming that I'm very excited to be able to, I think it stopped sharing now. There we go. Um, to share with everybody here. But so so good news if you're a state employee or you want to be a state employee, I suppose we really do need, okay, I almost got really <laughs> cynical there and said, why would you want to work for the state? But you know what, Javier, we've got 
Washington is a great state. It's got a it great is. foundation. It, it has a fantastic constitution. And if we want change, we need people who still believe in the system to work in the system, to be elected in the system, right? Mm -hmm. So let's let's not discourage people <laughs> from working for the no, state. <laughs> no, and again, also get involved in the political process, your your district uh, committee yeah. uh, for, for each of the parties. Go out there and participate. Look what happened in Florida. Yeah. They managed to get resolutions to ban the mRNA technology in four counties now. Yeah, exactly. Let's see. And then, so there's a little bit of activism going on. I want yes. to share with you now. Where to, oh, I've got my mouse upside down. That's not very helpful. Um, no, that wasn't it. Let me find it here. Okay, here we go. I'll go ahead and, and share this. So um, the House Bill 5599 is the really bad, ugly, scary bill that this describes it as legalized kidnapping. Um, I should have pulled up the details of it. You know what? I still see Erin's back there and she's nodding her head. Hey, Erin, do you remember the details of 5599? You want to pop back in? Yes, I is um, basically they're allowing our children to be transitioned if they're runaways. So all our children have to do is just go tell them that I'm being bullied at home and basically run away. And now they become um, basically property of the state. And as a parent, we don't have um, any control and they can transition our children without our consent. And at what age is that? Does, is there an age? Mm. You know, I'm I don't not remember either. sure about that, Whatever about the age, age yeah. It's very bad. And it also included if a child uh, ran away in order to get an abortion, right? A minor that they would. Well, I know that the, the legal age in Washington to get an abortion is 11. Wow, without parental consent? Yes, yes, I learned that when we were fighting the um, the critical, the, the sex ed bill, the CSE. Oh, so that's been on the books sex for a while, okay. Yes, and now, you know, we are approaching where the comprehensive sex ed is going to be instituted in our schools. So it's been put on hold because of COVID, but next year when, it's, when school starts again, they will be um, teaching the comprehensive sex ed, which starts in kindergarten. I, I remember when a couple years ago, pre-COVID, when um, that, bill was going through and we had some courageous legislators stand on the floor of the house and senate um and my own representative at the time was shaking yeah with 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 fear for children and anger at what was being done yeah and um he kept being reprimanded saying you know you've you've got to bring it he said this is obscene and he says you've got to bring it back to the points of the bill and he says well the points of the bill are obscene <laughs> you know yes and um it was just awful you know it, there was a major it. uprising you know we collected a you know here in spokane we mobilized very quickly we had some we had a great team here and we started mobilizing um uh drive-through signature collections where we had kits set up for people to just come grab a box and pick a corner and have people come through and we had people all over the city participating in this you know of course I look I contacted the local news when on our last big event and of course they don't show up but you know we historically collected a, an amount of signatures and and it wasn't even newsworthy and it didn't even make a difference and we, we had a huge uprising across the state over this yes you really did you were I forgot how yeah you really ran that it was did set mm -hmm. records of it, did. it in was the record of a setting. pandemic you in the said, middle of a 
yes. records for, and those had to be in so person. People, exactly. Yeah. People had to come out of their house and find a drive through. It wasn't like, you know, you couldn't really stand outside grocery stores at that time. It was, a, it was an intentional signature that you went and signed this petition. And, and for yeah. us too, you know, we had to work within the COVID parameters, you know, and, you know, sanitize pens and clipboards in between each person and <laughs> oh, no. it was insane you know but but we did that and people came in force with that and still you know right. it, it it passed and yeah it's unfortunate so Erin so I'm so glad you you hung out a bit um mm -hmm. because this is such an important topic and you saw the energy to try to stop and it 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 didn't quite work and yet but all those same people who signed that they are just as up in arms as they were about that and this new legislation that passed this year that's going to mm -hmm. allow um, this atrocity to take place for the yes. government to harbor the children and do this to them. It's just, yes. you know, I, I want to encourage, you know, I do still have my children in public school, but they're in kindergarten and second, but I've joined the PTSA. The, um, the principal knows my name by heart because I've been in there. I've sat down <laughs> with him. He, he knows about all this stuff because of me. I've, I've rallied up other parents and I encourage each and every person here to do the same. You know, it's, it's not viable for every person to, to homeschool or to afford to go to um, private school. And so mm -hmm. if you are left to, to, you know, using public school, get involved, be in there, you know, know your child's teacher. And if, if you see something, say something, you know, yeah, so, yeah. You, you know, continue to be active in your child's life, because you don't want to, you know, get to a point where now your child has been taught something fundamentally against you. And now you're butting heads. So you want to get there before that happens, because it is happening in every school. Yeah, that's, that's excellent words of advice. You know, it's like, I was saying to Javier earlier is, we do have great infrastructure in this great nation and the state of Washington. And we citizens just need to go back and sort of implement the foundation and take charge again and, and not let them take charge. So the mm -hmm. website, um, I, and, and I don't know anything about the petitioners or how this is going to unfold, but I just want to share it with you in case you wanted to sign up. Um, and it's just reject5599.com. Um, I'll try to come back next week with more information about that uh, to let people know more. Uh, are you familiar with anything with that, either Javier or Aaron? I know that they're trying to do a referendum. That's what I thought that they're doing. Okay. And this is not this is not the only this. Is, there's other states that have similar bills going through. Okay. Uh, so Washington is one of the first to actually get this far into the process. And uh, one of the things that this, um, you know, legalized uh, human trafficking bill uh, will allow is legalized human trafficking. And it's one of these legal, um, uh, the, the language allows for it. Uh, and it's troubling, uh, absolutely troubling, because we have uh, international treaties that prohibit human trafficking. And here in the United States, the language allows for it, but it's being put under a medical umbrella now. So that's wow. the magic trick. So will that be affected with this Title 42 that's ending today and these million people that are coming across the border? Will that yes. be allowed yes. for them to be trafficked more easily? Well, and again, it provides protection for a certain, if, as long as you declare something, then you actually, all of a sudden, federal resources become available as well. Right. Hmm. Because there, there is there, there are federal programs that will that will be activated through that. So, uh, again, this is this is troubling at so many levels.
It yeah. really is. And here in the Pacific Northwest, I've heard that Bonas Ferry is as heavily trafficked as Thailand. One more time. I've heard that Bonas Ferry is as heavily trafficked as Thailand. Wow. What what is I I don't understand what you were saying. Bonas Ferry, what's that? So Bonas Ferry is a, a region up here in, in Idaho. And it, it's, oh. it you wouldn't expect it. It's a very kind of rural area, yeah. but they use these trafficking routes and, and one of um, a, a close friend of mine is a nurse in the area and she deals with human trafficking over there and she's shared that with me that it's a, it's very heavily human trafficked and you would right. not even you would not even know right it's happening yeah. underneath our eyes and, and a lot of it is you know you know not just small children a lot of it is like teenagers who are being lured out of their homes and then right. once they've you know gotten into it and then they feel dirty about it and then they're told you know your parents aren't going to love you anymore because you've done something like this and then they're just kind of held captive in it correct and again it's it's sex trafficking at that point yeah, yeah. modern day slavery yeah. wow a lot of work for us mama and papa bears to do folks yep um yeah, so um, I want to move on to another subject. And Aaron, you know what? I thought that you were only available for a short time. Are you available to hang out for the rest of this show to talk with Javier and I? Sure. About topics? Yeah, yeah, I'm oh, here. Very cool. I love Good, this. Thank okay. you. Yeah, you betcha. This is great. Um, so the next thing I wanted to, to share with everybody is, you know, some good news. I mean, good news in that our uh, opinion um, published and encourage others to do this. So I'm gonna go over to um, the Port Townsend Free Press is uh, you know, a publication that's available online by citizens. Let's see, I'll have to read more about what the Free Press, but Brett Nunn published this article, Washington State Board of Health wades into the misinformation war. Um, and it's just, it's refreshing to see something being published where you're getting um, the point of view of um, that's that's not the mainstream media, and we need more and more to find outlets where you're getting off the grid type reporting, citizen reporting. Um, you know, of course, this all has to be vetted too for yourself. I think gone are the days where we can just trust. Oh, it's published there, therefore it's factually accurate, right? Um, we even have to be critical thinkers regarding um, our stuff um, is things that we tend to be on our side. Um, uh, but like, I think the final question here uh, in this article, it's talking about, oh, I should have bookmarked how I wanted to do this here, but it talks about the amount of money that the Department of Health is attempting to ask for millions and millions in order to restore trust. But um, with $30 million, I'm quoting here, with $30 million of taxpayer money and three new state employees um, who are required by the governor to be up to date on all COVID shots before they can be hired. But actually, since this was pu published, this was just repealed. So yay. Will that make everything better? Will enough public relations voodoo be generated over the next five years to restore your confidence in the Washington State Board of Health or the Department of Health? That's my aside. So the next time around, you will not hesitate to, quote, follow through on the desired behaviors central to <laughs> risk mitigation. I leave it to the reader to decide. Um, so yay, Brett uh, Nunn, for publishing this and Port Townsend Free Press for um, creating this publication. 
And I want to encourage people out there, you know, if you've got a bent for writing, um, you know, find places to publish. There's um, alternative presses like this that are Mm -hmm. popping up here and there. But another thing that is so important is some small town local papers, even if they're owned by big conglomerates, they will publish alternative views in the opinion section. Exactly. If you write it thoughtfully, accurately, you know, you can get it published. And so I really encourage people to write articles, get the details of how many words and all of that, and try to get some words out there. None of this nonsense that's happening in the world today, and especially in the United States, could have happened if if we had a free press. Right. Mm-hmm. It's only happening because we don't. And there are ceilings everywhere and walls everywhere restricting what can be said. And one of the major problems with uh, media today, even your small town paper is probably owned by a bigger conglomerate is the fact that there's so much content needed to fill all the void of all these places. They grab stuff off the newswire, unvetted, and publish it as fact. Mm -hmm. So that's why you get a thousand versions of the same story pulled off the newswire. And who wrote that? (laughs) Right? Pharmaceutical Mm -hmm. industry, biotech industry, you you know, every industry that, you know, they will write it and it's put out as news. And, you know, Javier and, and I, and, and you too, Aaron, we grew up that you picked up a newspaper and it's like, you didn't doubt what you were reading. Mm-hmm. It was in the Seattle Post Intelligencer, right? Mm-hmm. It was in the Spokane Review or whatever they call it in Spokane. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's really hard to let go of thinking that if it's on the evening news, if it's on that printed paper that's been published since 1890 that you can't trust it. Yeah. We've all seen those videos of the mock, you know, the mocking bird where they're each news station is all saying the same thing, like the morning talking points. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm glad to see that. You know, we, go ahead. We we were doing Bernadette when we were doing those kind of flash mobs downtown. I, um, we were at a March for life one and I had the, one of the spokesman review journalists down there and I had him on a live and I didn't show his face or anything to keep him to safety, but he was telling me, we're not allowed to show you. We're not allowed to get you in our shots. We're not allowed to have anything about you on any, on any part of our news platform. Yeah. Yeah, that was going on and, and, you know, some journalists stepped away. The wonderful Allison Morrow, I've been on her show and she's been on here. In fact, she just did a great interview. Um, Allison Morrow, M-O-R-R-O-W. I got to get her back on. Um, she does some great shows, but so they're, they're stepping away. We need to build that new mm-hmm. free media. And um, in fact, President Biden recently was talking about the backbone of a f- most important part of a free democracy is mm-hmm. free media. I mean, it was just so ironic, wasn't it, that he's calling mm-hmm. the free media? And they are so not free. No, and he helped. He helped Ple- President Clinton uh, reduce the, or basically make it easier to co- to consolidate all these uh, telecommunications and communications uh, companies. Yeah, to centralize mm-hmm. it. So mm-hmm. yeah, free press and all that. Free press and all that. I want to mm-hmm. um, move on to another story that um, our people up in Bellingham pointed out to us. And this is something that's kind of happening, you know, throughout the Northwest and throughout the United States. Um, 
mainstream medical facilities are closing, reducing in size, claiming money. So Peace Health, which is huge in the Pacific Northwest, Peace Health cuts Bellingham jobs, announces clinic closure, and reduces some services. Um, they basically said they went and looked at the bottom line in the pretty much the amount they could charge for the services made it not worth them keeping open. So it was, it was money, not what the community needed was their bottom line. How can this be with the billions of dollars that flowed to them from the federal government and that continues mm -hmm. to flow and in grants that were channeled through the Washington state department of health. Um, but I say this, I, you know, some of this might be dri driven by the fact that people are wising up and except for in emergency situations where, where only the ER will do, um, you're bleeding and, you know, you need emergency help. They're turning to other sources mm -hmm. of healing and help and real medicine. Um, so any thoughts on what's going on here? Any insights? I mean, I kind of have a testimony of what you're talking to, Bernadette, with, um, you know, I used to be mainstream. I used to believe all of the rhetoric. And um, until my own health, I had to take control of my own health. And it brought me into the more natural realms. And I, I mm -hmm. hope that people are realizing that, too, because a lot of what's happening in our country is the um, capture of our medical system. So most of our doctors aren't private anymore. So they don't have the art of practicing. They don't have the, you know, what's best individually for their patients. They're being controlled by the corporate side of big medicine. And so I think I think that people are understanding that a little bit more through COVID, mm -hmm. you know, when we were left to be doctors and we couldn't take our loved ones to the hospital until they were almost dead. Um, you know, that, that really let a lot of people down. And, and I, and I think that hopefully people like myself are turning to alternative medicine because it's because our medical system has been hijacked. Yeah. Javier, what about you? I mean, you're a research scientist. Do you have a similar journey um, with medical choices? Well, what's interesting is that there is a lot of, um, you know, the one thing that always comes to my mind is don't believe what they tell you. Mm. Dig deeper. Mm -hmm. uh, my guess is that they just can't get enough people to come and work at those clinics to fill those positions, to man those, the, the beds and the, uh, and the, and the different clinics that they're having to shut down because there's no one there. To do it, yeah, no and I've been one. Hearing so many stories of doctors just saying, "I can't do this anymore." Nurses saying, "I can't do this anymore either," and just saying, "Forget it. I'm not going to be part of the system anymore." Uh, so that that's a possibility as well. I think it's a big possibility, and and we have seen across the nation. I saw legislation in Washington and here in Tennessee, where they're trying to lower the minimum standards for people to work in various facilities. You know, they don't have to have as much education, mm -hmm. as much experience, as much testing. It's very scary because you're gonna end up with, you know, subpar help. And there was a recent one, um, something about like several, I, I shared it on Twitter. I think I heard about it through Fierce Pharma, but they want to move to at least 10% by a certain year and then increase it that the individuals working in, in hospital care facilities will come from disadvantaged groups. 
So they're talking about hiring medical workers, not based on, uh oh, we lost Aaron, on qualifications, mm-hmm. but but based on whether or not they're disadvantaged. So this is this is CRT and DEI implementation. Um, you know, this is this has nothing to do with representation and uh, uh, helping people raise up. This is about lowering standards, unfortunately. Yeah. And like you said, um, you know, if, even if it was well-intentioned, the fact of the matter is you have to have competency and you have to hi- hire people based on their competency. Yeah, we're talking about people's lives here. Yeah, about, we're talking about, about people's health. lives. Yeah, and I think it's part of a, a, a bigger move to really take humans out of the medical care equation. And I've said this several times and I'll say, keep on saying it, their goal is for you to log onto your computer or just speak to your hand or something because something will be embedded. It scans you, you open your front door, a drone comes down, shoots you with the needle, has you open your mouth and plops a pill in your mouth, right? Mm-hmm. No human intervention at all, right? They they really don't want that independent decision making where it's mm-hmm. just, you know, just do what we say. Um, and I know that sounds crazy futuristic, but I swear that's where that's where it's not about health. It's about control. Yeah. And um, we're going to move here in a bit um, to the list of um, events coming up so that we can talk about those. But one thing I just had an idea, it's actually been brewing for a while. So maybe, you know, with Aaron on this call and you, Javier, let's plant some seeds of of events that can be held. My idea is this. Now, the three of us are in a position, um, we're not wealthy, but if we want alternative care, we can figure out a way to afford $100, $150 or whatever to go to our alternative practitioner. But there's a lot of people who cannot do that. It's outside of their, but they have to use their state insurance or their other insurance. They just do not have, they're not in that income level. And those people are the ones trapped the most by this whole pharma medical poisoning system. So what if, what if we were have events? It's not a catch-all solution, but there are health choices that everybody can make, no matter your income, that improve your health and the health of your children. You know, I'm talking about for young adults and adults, intermittent fasting. You know, children oh, yeah. you don't necessarily want intermittent fasting, although you might want to make sure they're not eating right before they go to bed because that does interrupt their their immune system healing during sleep time. Um, there are different health choices. We can teach them about the efficiency of just gargling and nasal flushes to reduce viral load if they're sick. You know, free things they can do, lifestyle choices they can make to empower themselves to be healthier, to avoid the healthcare. It's not even a healthcare system, the medical industry system. Mm-hmm. So I would love to see Informed Choice Washington do this you know, move into um, into some of the communities who really need that sort of help. So let's, we've planted some seeds. Um, I'd love to see that done everywhere. So maybe we'll do it in Tennessee here too. I mean, we just have a simple one in my house and that's my children. As soon as we're from a public place, they go in and wash their hands as soon as they w- walk in the, in the door. You yeah. know, just something simple to implement and they'll do it for life, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and and getting the regular sunshine exposure. Mm. Um, We could maybe even do fundraising rallies for vitamin D drops. And then when we have educational events, maybe everybody goes home with a dropper of vitamin D. It's an inexpensive 
thing to give out is your your gift for coming to the event. You know, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm just I think that there's some great things that we can do here. So now I'm going to go ahead and show I put together a little slide of some people sent me. Thank you to everybody who sent me some great events that are happening in Washington. If I can find the slide that I made. Mm. Um, there we go. I'm not recognizing what it's going to look like. Let's see. How is it going to look? I'm new at, at, at sort of doing. Let me see. Share. Okay. There we go. Hey, it's visible. Woohoo. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so these are upcoming in the Pacific Northwest. So tomorrow, actually, if you're in the Wenatchee area, there is a Valley Farmers Market. Go to eatlocalfirst.org eatlocalfirst.org and then you can find out about other events happening including this farmer's market where you're going to be able to find organic produce a pasture raised grass-fed beef you know all sorts of locally raised good food you can meet farmers which is fantastic to do um, that's very much all part of informed choice washington and children's health defense mission eat local uh, so mm -hmm. that's May 13th tomorrow, 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. in the Wenatchee Valley. Um, and then we've got on May 19th at 6 p.m., uh, Patriots United is an organization that's putting together uh, an event called Overcoming Adversity. Um, and it's going to have music. There's a country music singer named Ryan Weaver who's going to be performing. And I believe they have speakers. I don't have a lot of details here. Um but it's gonna it's it's all to provide information and get you fired up about um, things that are going on that we need to take action on. And you can go to patriotsunitedwa.com and there you will find the registration. So patriotsunitedwa.com. I think I've got no, it didn't have a whole lot of information. It was mostly just Ryan Weaver. Um, and then Again, on May 20th, Erin, um, we've got the wonderful COVID-19 betrayal, a path forward in Spokane. Go Can ahead. I add to it? Yes. I forgot to mention that we're going to have John Stockton, who's a local celebrity here. He's a former NBA star. Um, he withstood the mask mandate up against um, Gonzaga, and they suspended his tickets, but he didn't back down. And now he's a huge voice, and he has a, a new podcast called Voices for Medical Freedom, and he's touting children's health, de health defense statistics on there. So he's reaching a whole genre of people that we haven't been able to reach before. So that's wonderful. He'll be our keynote speaker at the event on May 20th. That is so exciting. And, you know, uh, John Stockton, if you're listening and you want to pop on the show next week, you're you are so invited. We would love to have you on board if you want to go give it one more plug before the event happens. That would be great. We are um, working on that behind the scenes, just so you know. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It would be an honor uh, to meet him and have him on the show. I just love mm -hmm. all these people. You know, when one man or woman stands up, 50 more grow backbone. And, mm -hmm. and I tell mm -hmm. you, it, it's, can you feel it, Aaron? It's no Yes. And, and yeah. I love the, the seed planting, you know, because we yeah. might plant a seed and somebody else waters it. And then when you see that grow, it's pretty yeah. amazing. Did, did you ever see one of the trailers for a pandemic three that's coming out on June and the high wire is going to be doing the big worldwide um, initial viewing of it. We're going to have to plan a party around that. Um, but one of the trailers had at the very end of it, a black screen with white letters. And it said simply, they tried to bury us. They didn't know we were seeds. 
Ooh. Right? Uh, uh, I get the children I got like the here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's and, great. Um, yeah. And so some of the seeds that are blooming everywhere are these Moms for Liberty groups. So this yeah. is this is Moms for Liberty um, on May 20th. Spokane chapter. Mm -hmm. So momsforliberty.org. Um, they are having an event on May 21st after the day after your event on a Sunday. And it's it's Liberty Floral Arranging and Wine Testing, mm. Tasting. So it's an event for community. Get That's together, meet the Moms for Liberty folks, find out what they do, uh, figure out how to get involved. And, and like you said, Erin, it's about building community. Mm -hmm. We all need to find our, our peeps. Excuse me, I'm going to cough for a minute. Mm, sorry about that. I've been just talking my head off today. Mm -hmm. um, so that's May 21st, momsforliberty.org. And then on June 2nd through, um, through the 3rd, We the Patriots, which is a great organization. I'm not sure where they're based out of. I think they're kind of national. Um, they've been around uh, for a little while. I apologize, don't have full details in front of me, but um, they're having their first annual in-person conference. I know they've done a lot of inline or online stuff, but in Boise, Idaho. So right here in the Pacific Northwest in Boise, Idaho, June 2nd and 3rd, we the Patriots first annual conference and a huge lineup of speakers. So go to wethepatriotsusa.org. Um, and you can find the link to the conference um, there and explore that and sign up. Is that, are you going to pop on over and, and do that, attend that one, Erin, or is it new to you? The Boise one? Yeah. I haven't heard about them, but Boise is not that close to us. They're about okay. still six hours away. Six? That's a, that's a good drive. Get the girlfriends <laughs> together. I, I have to drive four and a half hours to the state capitol, which I know oh. is not, it's actually short for you because you and Jackie used to drive oh, it would take, five hours when, well, it, when the weather's We good. were doing it during avalanches and snowstorms. So there was one day that we literally drove to Olympia. It was an 18-hour drive going there and back for a 28 minute, minute, minute hearing, if you remember yes, that. Exactly. I mean, yeah. these mama bears that we got, I tell you, that yeah. I mean, we were leaving at midnight. I was meeting strangers in parking lots just to not drive by myself in the middle of the <laughs> you know, the things that we put ourselves through. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we, we did some good work uh, mm -hmm. there and COVID changed a lot of things, but we still got these great people working together. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing, how are we doing on time here? We're doing good. I'm getting close to the end here. Um, on June 25th, a heads up that the Oregon chapter of Children's Health Defense, they're putting on their second, what they're calling WISE event, and it's securing fundamental freedoms for future generations. You can find out more at or.childrenshealthdefense.org. I'm going to just, I know I've got it. I won't pull them all the way up, but let me look to see some of their speakers. WISE stands for Wisdom, Integrity, Science, and Evidence. I love that. And they're going to have people like um, Daniel Sheehan, author of The People's Advocate, um, attorney um, Lindsay, uh, I'm not sure her first name, Tricia Lindsay, attorney at law, uh, co-founder and president of PERC, Amy Bone, 
uh, president of Solari, who's from right here in the great state of Tennessee, uh, Catherine Austin Fitz. Um, mm-hmm. Fantastic. She's speaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark McDonald, psychiatrist and author. Um, Dr. Chris Chlebowski, who's a naturopath. Oh, did you mention Chris? Somebody mentioned Chris Chlebowski uh, earlier. Um, and Steve Junkus, another attorney at law. So this looks great. You know, it, we're finding all of these ways to, um, let me come back to where I was, all of these ways to get back to freedom from so many angles because it all does come back to health, doesn't it, Erin? Because mm-hmm. if you if you don't have freedom of how you of money, like mm-hmm. if we go to these central banking digital currencies and they can just cut off our funding, you can't choose where you want to get your health care. Um, mm-hmm. If you don't have freedom of speech, you cannot, and others don't. You can't learn about your options for health care. Mm-hmm. So everything is tied together, and at some point goes toward your health freedom. Um, So those are all the great events. It looks like we got about two more minutes here. We're doing good. (laughs) Three minutes, Nathan is telling me. Three more minutes um, on the dial. Um, So Erin, are there other events going on in Washington that you would like um, our listeners to hear about? Oh, man. Um. Well, I, I don't know about any current events, but I don't know if you um, encourage people to become precinct committee officers, but I don't know if you know what happened here in Spokane. We had a huge um, turnover of events with our precinct committee officers. We kind of had a lot of people in play here who have been there for years and allowing what's happened to us. And behind the scenes, um, a lot of people networked together and took over um, over 70 more seats to become precinct committee officers. And we now have the majority um, of Republicans on our side um, in, in, in Spokane at least. So um, that's been encouraging to watch um, a, a lot of our local precincts to be consumed by us. So explain to those of us who aren't at that level of politics what a precinct officer is and does. Sure. So it's basically being your neighborhood representative and each precinct has, um, you know, an ability. The reason why I want to become a precinct officer is because now I have a voice in who gets put in to become elected. So it's, it's an actual voice and you represent your community. It's, it's a very minimal, um, uh, position to be in. It's it's like one monthly meeting a month. I mean, unless you're like Spokane right now, who's really moving and shaking. Um, but usually it's it's just one meeting a month and you're 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 working in your own neighborhood. And it's party specific. So there are precincts um, officers for for a Republican Party, for Democrat Party, for Libertarian Party. Do they all have mm-hmm. precincts that are they set up this way? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, you know, what I think what we've experienced over the many years is a lot of us not even understanding what that these roles exist and letting people with their own agendas and political motives control this. So, you know, whatever. And I'm, you know, I'm kind of a a weak Republican. I was Democratic. I was independent most of my life. And now I've changed to become a Republican because the Republicans are the ones that are fighting for my medical freedoms. Mm -hmm. So there's, you know, I don't want it to be like a complete, like a political thing, but it has become a political thing when we're trying to fight these 
tyrannical laws. Exactly. So, so just encouraging people, if you want to get politically active, this is one way you can do it. It doesn't take a whole lot of input. Explore wherever you are in your informed life, mm -hmm. you know, get involved at the precinct level. That's a great idea. Well, Aaron, thank you for joining us this hour. It's been thank such you. a pleasure having you. We lost thank Javier you so somewhere around the way. <laughs> Um, you've been listening to an Informed Life Radio on 1150 AM, KKNW, and CHDTV. We will be back next week. Take care. Thank you. Hi, I'm Brian Dacus, President and Founder of the Pacific Justice Institute. For over 25 years, PGI's mission has been to defend religious freedom, parental rights, and the sanctity of human life. PJI has protected patients from being taken off life support and stood up for citizens around the country facing job loss for medical decisions that should be left between them and their doctor. For free legal representation and resources, visit pji.org. Are you suffering from a sinking feeling that the COVID-19 pandemic is being blown out of proportion and that nothing in the news is making any sense? If so, then there is a fact-based, science-driven news show designed just for you. My name is Del Bigtree, and I am the host of The High Wire, the world's most trusted news source in digital media when it comes to accurate, science-based reporting on the COVID-19 pandemic. From COVID-19 vaccine development to mask mandates, school shutdowns to job layoffs, The High Wire goes beyond providing you with the most accurate, evidence-based investigations. We send you links to the sources for all of our reporting so that you can further your own investigation and come to your own informed conclusions. High above the agenda-driven circus of mainstream media, we do not run. We do not hide from the truth. Instead, we walk the high wire. If you care about truth, then join us on Instagram, Twitter, Roku, and our website, thehighwire.com.